This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. And good morning. Frank Morano has a well-deserved day off. Dominic Carter filling in for Frank. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We are six minutes past the hour, and it's uh, great to be here with you folks. New York City started 2024 with a big bang, if you will. Hundreds of thousands packed into Times Square Sunday night while pro-Palestinian protesters filled streets outside the celebratory area. And that's the way that it should be. They have a right to protest, protest all day, all night long. But we've seen enough. We've heard enough. Give credit to the law enforcement officials that kept things peaceful. And the show went on as scheduled, or at least that is the uh, information that we have as of right now, live with you at six minutes uh, past the hour. Our next guest is uh, standing by on the telephone to join us right now, and I, I have a lot of questions for him. He's a major political consultant. His name is Hank Scheinkoff. The reason why I like talking to him is because most of his predictions – I dare say uh, almost all of them have turned out to be dead on accurate. And so there are lots of uh, political consultants, but not all of them are pretty good at nailing down the facts as it relates to their predictions. A bit later in this hour, we will be taking your calls at 800-848-9222. But let me start by saying good morning to Hank Scheinkoff. And I guess my uh, my first question is, did you have a New Year's resolution? Well, what was it? And did you already break it? Well, I'm breaking it right now on New Year's with you, Dominic Houso, because I said I'm not going to talk about politics today. And guess what I'm doing? <laughs> Well, at least at least you're doing it uh, with us here on the other side of midnight. And thank you for uh, for breaking your New Year's resolution for this day about not talking politics and indeed talking politics. So let me let me begin this way, Hank Scheinkoff. And I absolutely love chatting with you here. So you. you can't play these silly partisan games with the person leading in the polls for President Donald Trump, is he on the ballot? Is he off the ballot? Colorado started this nonsense. Maine is following suit. Oddly, California is the voice of reason keeping Trump on the ballot. What do you make of all this? Kind of wacky. You know, all they're going to do is excite the MAGA vote, the Make America Great Again vote, the Trump vote, and they're going to turn out in greater intensity. It's not that they're going to dissuade people, but somehow— there's something going on here unless there is a clear, clear delineation of, uh, of fact, which is did he or did he not? Uh, now, the 14th Amendment, uh, which is what they're referring to, doesn't say, doesn't make a stipulation about whether he did or he didn't. Uh, it's the suspicion thereof, and that's what they're using to say he was uh, engaged in treasonous behavior. So there you have it. Um, going to give him more room to move, going to make him more steady. 
with his own uh, MAGA people, and uh, it ain't going to be good, you know, for democracy. So what does the Supreme Court do here? The way I see this, there's absolutely no way they leave Trump off the ballot in some states. They're going to put him on the ballot because, again, the presumption of innocence, regardless of what the 14th Amendment may say, will trump all, no pun intended, will, will, uh, will frankly, uh, ride over everything else, and that's how they're going to do it. I, mean, it's, I don't think any, there's any way around it. Agreed, agreed. Will will there be, because I don't think so, but you're the expert here, will there be any, any criminal trials for Trump this year of 2024? Again, Hank Shankoff, political consultant, I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you say? Um, look, I'm not a lawyer. Um, question is, how quickly can the courts move is always the question. How quickly can people get past motions? Um, and does Trump want that? If I were Trump, I would frankly want this to drag on as long as possible. Um, I would want it to drag on as long as possible. Why? It makes him look like a victim, and that assists him among his uh, his 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 uh, basic electorate. They like it. They see him as a victim. Therefore, they become victims of a of the the elites in Washington, New York, and Los Angeles, which allows them to have even more greater strength as they turn out to vote. And gets them all wired up to vote. You know, that's what this is about. It's about anger and hatred. It's not about uh, democracy. Let's let's uh, flip this now. So how much of a liability, a liability is the president's son to him, Hunter Biden, to President Joe Biden? To some voters, it will be significant. To other voters, it won't be. Is it an across-the-board liability? Not likely. Um, why? Son is not father. Father is not son. And Americans tend to be very fair about such things. That being said, for the MAGA voters, it's going to be a big, big incentive to turn out because they believe there's a conspiracy going on anyway. And this would, in fact, indicate to them the conspiracy is, is truthful. It is ongoing because somehow in their minds, um, what happened? Well, the son got away with it for a long time and nobody bothered to stop him. So that's what they'll be thinking. Nikki Haley, the South Carolina Republican, made headlines after giving what has turned out to be a disaster, disastrous answer. I don't necessarily think so, but that's the way it's being reported to a question about what caused the Civil War. She had a lot of words, Hank Sheinkoff, in response to the question, but Haley never got around to mentioning slavery. She later backtracked and accused the person who asked the question of being a democratic plant. Does this hurt her? Is this much ado about nothing? It hurts her. It's a lot ado about something. It makes her look stupid. Um, it gives them, it gives her, her uh, opponents opportunities to do terrible things to her. And that's what they're doing. And that's uh, It's not going to be good. And it won't help. It won't, will not help her. Um, in uh, New Hampshire, I would bet. The other thing, just an, a side note on the Haley campaign, they're spending lots of money on television in Iowa, but that's not necessarily the way to win an Iowa election. Why is that? Because, frankly, Dominic, Iowa caucuses are about personal relationships, not about television. Her money would have been better spent uh, you know, get, being there by herself or with others, running a, a campaign on the ground, but that's not what she's doing. So the probability of her doing better than she thinks in uh, Iowa, not so good. Not we so good. are chatting 
with political consultant Hank Scheinkoff about all things political. And as you heard the man say, his New Year's resolution was not to talk politics on this day, but he's breaking it for us, and we are greatly uh, appreciative. So even President Biden chimed in on this Nikki Haley thing, and to me, his response was a bad pander to his base of the black community. On the uh, Twitter site, the X site, sharing a, a clip of Haley's exchange, he said it was about slavery. Is this pandering to his base? He should have just let her roil in her own juices. It didn't accomplish anything for him to get involved. Absolutely nothing. Um, it just didn't. And it, the best thing would have been say nothing, have a good time. But that's not what he did, you know? Also that's on Nikki Haley... Before I move on, she, as you know, has been accused of uh, flip-flopping when it comes to Trump, and she now says pardoning Trump is in the country's best interest. What do you make of that? Well, that's to get the MAGA voters to side with her so that they don't – it does two things. It forces the admission that he is a criminal and forces uh, people to pay attention to the fact that she's magnanimous and would, in fact, pardon him. But the problem here is that it makes her immediately on the other side of the Trumpniks by saying, what, that obviously he's a criminal, therefore he must be pardoned. That's a non-starter. The best thing would have been to walk away from it and not get involved. So with the Iowa caucuses, Hank Scheinkoff, political consultant, a month away, former President Trump is urging voters to hand him not just a victory but a blowout. Here is a uh, quote from Trump, quote, the majority, the margin of victory is very important. It's just very, it's not, excuse me, let me do it again. The margin of victory is very important. It's just very important. He told about a thousand people attending a, uh, a rally at organizing campaign volunteers. He said it's time for the Republican Party to unite, to come together and focus our energy and resources on beating his words now crooked Joe Biden and taking back our country. Very simple. What do you think? How does, how does Iowa play? Iowa is not about Joe Biden. Iowa is about the fundamentalist Christians, um, the faith community, a smaller turnout and true believers in Republicanism. That does not necessarily have much to do with Joe Biden. Um, And using the strategy of crooked Hillary and now crooked Biden, I mean, I think it may be a little bit much. It's his way to get beyond any problems he might have with the with the observant, uh, the the the, the uh, religious right community. And uh, it's not necessary. He should win. If he's going to win, he's going to win them handily. If he's not going to win them handily, he has a different set of problems. It's his way of getting around. Um, um, it's another way, kind of code words, to get around the governor of Florida who's flailing. And he doesn't win Iowa. He's done. So if Ron Ron DeSantis uh, does not win Iowa and polling indicates he's not even close, you believe that you can put a fork in him? Well, he's run a bad campaign. The only winners in that one are the political consultants who've had a great day, you know, making money, which is generally what happens in the uh, political industrial complex these days. Um, You know, it it hasn't been a good campaign. It just hasn't. And uh, the reportage on it is terrible. Um, he's done after that. He needs somebody to buck up that campaign. He needs to show that he's just not someone who's incessantly uh, flailing, right? 
and trying to find hooks of some fashion. It's just not, it's not working out, you know? Fair enough. Talk to me about New Hampshire. The New Hampshire primary less than a month away. Recent polls show Nikki Haley and the man you just mentioned, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, neck and neck for second place with Trump far ahead of the field. Talk New Hampshire. New Hampshire should be a Trump win. Um, It's just hard to see that it isn't right now based upon those polling numbers. What would allow somebody to get past him? Um, A crippling defeat in Iowa or a a crippling win, which would mean a crippling win by somebody else in the Republican field. That is very hard to see at the moment. It is Trump's party without question, unless there's something we don't know. And the Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire are coming up pretty quick. So there's nothing right now that tells us that that's not going to work out for Trump. So talk to me, political consultant Hank Sheinkoff, about Vivek Ramaswamy. He has uh, slammed TV ads, pulled them in Iowa and New Hampshire. He says that the ads are for Trump's. It sounds like he's almost done to me. He also uh, says that... um, the ads had a low ROI return on, on investment. investment. Okay, but he, what he doesn't understand is perception. Television in politics is perception. What does that mean? You have enough TV up, it looks like you're a candidate. So all the blabbers, you know, the people, the pundits and the, the blabbing class, when they see your ads up, they blab about them. But if he's not on television, he doesn't exist because nobody knows who he was in the first place. His presumption is that everybody now knows who he is because he was on in those debates. If I were him and I wanted to base my campaign and my victory victory strategy and what I did during the debates, I would hide under a rock someplace because he didn't do very well. When he came across as very annoying, somewhat sexist in some cases, um, and just um, just out of step. If I'm him, he doesn't want to put the money on television. That's his way of saying, well, I know better about money than you do, and therefore I'm not going to put my money into something that may not have return. What that really says is the polling numbers are saying to him, go take a pass on this one. Come back another day, fella. That's what that is. Right. That almost that almost the race is over for him. Yeah, he would. He should save his money also. You know, one of my favorite expressions, save his money and buy a house. That would be very good. <laughs> well, he he has a lot of that, a lot of money. Well, but, you, buy you know, a lot of spending houses. it. You buy a lot of houses. You don't spend money in politics. You don't uh, you don't go very far. Bottom line. Yep. Okay, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, uh, his latest attempt to get on the main Republican presidential uh, primary ballot has failed after his campaign tried to recover from a surprising uh, setback in the Super Tuesday state. Bottom line is his signatures, according to the Secretary of State's office, falls short of the necessary number of certified signatures what does this say to you about christie in general um you gotta look at his career i think overall and say uh that he was a really 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 extraordinarily effective u.s attorney that his first term as governor of new jersey was 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 provocative and and filled with accomplishment and then instead of doing what tom kane did because um, Republicans don't get elected governor of Jersey that often. Tom Kane, when he was governor uh, in an upset, another Republican, took his money during his uh, re-election campaign and put it into legislature as well to help his fellow Republicans win seats. And they did. They took the legislature back. That's not what Chris Christie did. 
What Chris Christie did was to spend his money on himself, never created the kind of relationships that are required to make things happen. And the end result as well, you know, he was, he could have changed his course then. He would have created goodwill. He did not. And he's doing kind of the same thing now. He's getting back what uh, he did in the first case. Not so good. Not so good. And this is not going to work out well, but he served his purpose, which was to try to um, try to pummel Trump in ways that would work. And he proved that it didn't work. <laughs> so that was his purpose. Wow. What a purpose. How does the fall campaign look between Biden and Trump? You got to give the edge to Trump right now because Biden's numbers are terrible. That's today. And we're talking about January 1 of 2024 with a long way to go. It also presumes that Trump will be the nominee, and it presumes that Biden will be the nominee. Biden will be the nominee unless, unless God intervenes. Why? Because nobody gives up that job. Giving up being president of the United States is the most ridiculous thing you can imagine anybody would do. It's only happened once in the last 60 years, um, and that was Lyndon Johnson in 1968, when he said, and first he said he would not accept uh, the uh, nomination of his party. He saw himself as a Democrat president. We we changed a lot of our views since then. But he's the only one who's given it up. You don't give up being the most important and powerful person in the world. Uh, It's just not something you do. Joe Biden ain't giving this up. Um, We're just not. He'll be the nominee. Generally, it's hard to remove an incumbent. Ask to talk to President Ted Kennedy. He couldn't do it. Talk to John Anderson. He couldn't do it. Talk to Gene McCarthy. Well, Johnson was already out at that point. But McCarthy had already been running in 68. He couldn't take him out. Ronald Reagan couldn't take out uh, Gerald Ford and stop the in 1976, and on and on and on and on. It just doesn't happen. So Biden will be the nominee. Then the question is, can he beat Trump? Um, it depends on the, on Trump's criminal cases, and depends what the state of play is. I mean, the criminal cases intervene. He gets convicted. It's going to be tougher for him to win more of those elections because there will be a certain percentage of the population that will believe it. The other problems that Biden faces are a, the brittleness and the of the Republican coalition understand both parties are in serious trouble as as uh, political entities. I mean, the coalitions are very brittle. The Republicans depend upon the Trump uh, MAGA uh, operation to turn out votes. And for people who identify as Republicans, the Democrats have problems because of the uh, younger people, by the way, parenthetically, who have never paid a paid a price, no born a burden and seems to be experts on everything, except they know nothing out in the streets, uh, uh, undermining Biden's foreign policy not understanding that if Israel loses that war, the Iranians will win it, and uh, they, will, they will lose control of the Mediterranean basin, which Harry Truman understood. And that's where the Truman Doctrine came from in 1948. And in five years' time, people in this country will be eating grass. Those are the facts of life, but that's the kids. That, that, that war in the Middle East is, uh, is getting the young people, if you look at data, look at, per, at publicly published polls, to take a second look at Biden and the intensity of African-American turnout right now, based upon data, and all data is in the present tense, uh, is very, rather weak. So those two elements alone might make it difficult for Biden to be reelected. You pe- young people not having the intensity, and African-Americans not having the intensity of interest. Fair enough. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Sheinkoff. Folk ha- folks, happy New Year's to you and your family, and of course to Mr. Sheinkoff, his family, and to everyone 
within the sound of my voice. I'm Dominic Carter in this morning for Frank Morano. You are listening to the other side of midnight. When we come back, I've got some questions for Mr. Sheinkoff as it relates to Harvard University. My position, President Claudine Gay has got to go. You just heard Hank mention the anti-Israel protests. They have to stop occurring around the country. Also, why are Democratic mayors so badly handling the migrant crisis? We'll talk that and more on the other side of midnight. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Happy New Year's, folks. Dominic Carter here with you, bringing in the new year. Frank Morano has a well-deserved day off. This is the other side of midnight. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Sheinkoff. So let's 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 leave the presidential race alone for a second. Let's talk Harvard University. Their president, the first African American woman, Claudine Gay. It is my contention, Hank Sheinkoff, for plagiarism, for how she handled uh, the protest, the anti-Israel protest at Harvard, and then had the issue blow up in her face with two other college presidents before Congress, that she should be gone in a New York minute, that she should be fired. How do you see that situation at Harvard? Um, She really should be gone, and the reason she should be gone is her presence is taking away from Harvard, um, is giving Harvard the kind of attention that the university probably wouldn't want right now, particularly considering that uh, the amount of, uh, what's, what's the good word, harassment and, some, and sometimes violence that Jewish students, whether they, uh, Jewish students are receiving on campus, no matter their position on Israel. So it's pretty significant. Also the plagiarism question, and it would be better for her if she left and were replaced, frankly, by another African woman. That's fine. It doesn't become a race issue. The, the attempt to, to deny her uh, act appropriately with respect to campus violence against Jewish students and campus harassment and the questions about her scholarly work, uh, I can tell you as someone who has a Ph.D. that if you're caught plagiarizing, it's really kind of the end of your career, you know. You just don't do such things, right? Um, that being said, it's time for her to go. And that would be the wise thing for her to do if she cared about the university. Leave. She'll get another job and let the, let the Board of Governors of Harvard come up with a uh, with a uh, with an with an alternative. But but if she leaves, there's not another job like Harvard. And frankly, it seems to me, Hank Sheinkoff, that the only thing that's protecting her right now, keeping her in the job, is that she is an African American. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not competent to make that to make that judgment. 
But what I do believe is that people, yeah, you know, people are afraid of, of, of charges of race, um, race baiting or racism in any way, and that may be what's happening here. However, the, the reality of this is somewhat different. She's got to go because she's got to go, and that's just on the merits based on what we know. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the hearing in Congress was not handled well. The idea that somehow one law firm could represent all three college presidents the crisis management style was was ridiculous as a crisis as a well-known crisis manager. I can tell you, not having pull-out quotes for reporters to use that deal with the with, that deal per- personally with what what is going on around you is a major mistake. I mean, it just didn't look good. It, if if she were wise, it would be time to leave. Just go away, and the end, and that will be the end of the crisis for the moment. Now, Hank Shankoff, you deal with these issues professionally. If you were hired to represent one of those college presidents, uh, MIT, UPenn, that president has has uh, is out. Going before Congress, knowing that you're going that the presidents are going to face got you questions. How would you have advised your client if you were representing one of those presidents? I would have been. I would have advised them to be much more declarative. That that kind of behavior will not be tolerated. If anybody thinks it has. Well, we're sorry, but it's not going to be tolerated in the future. We're putting together new guidelines, and I would never say it depends on the context. I mean, you that alone is such that, damning. It, Those three words, depends upon the context, four words, is absolutely absurd and ridiculous, okay? Because the beating up of people on campuses and abusing them and, and, and cornering people based upon their religion, forgetting about their stance on the Middle East war, but based upon their religion, and for and 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 forcing them to, bar- to barricade themselves in libraries and other and lunch areas and other places is patently re- it's, it's it is devastating to anybody who believes in the in the ability to have free and open educational settings. Simple. What you just said, they definitely should have hired your firm. What you just said, off the top of your head, in a matter of seconds could have saved the job of the president of UPenn. Wouldn't it, the president of, uh, of uh, Harvard, she wouldn't be on the ropes as much. The president of MIT wouldn't be on the ropes as much if they had just listened to Hank Sheinkoff. Well, we, you know, the, the thing no, I'm get serious. In front, always get in front of the story. You know, you covered it. When I, were, when I worked for the governor of New Jersey at the, t- at the time, this a long time ago, it's McGreevy yes. when he got into trouble, you covered it. The yes. first rule of any crisis, and I've done hundreds of them, is to get in front of the story, not let the reporters define it for you. And, that's and that means you're exactly information what? To people. You've got to give information and quotes to people that present your side of the story so that it fits in the story, not so you try to tell reporters what to do. The minute you try to tell reporters what to do and anything, you lose the argument. As simple as that. Yeah, it is. You've got to respect the press. They're not your enemy. They've got to do their job. You have to do your job. Your job and their job, the different sides of the notebook are not the same. So you just mentioned this in the last segment. It's breaking my heart. I go from disappointment to anger to, in some cases, where they're violating the laws, questioning why police are not being more aggressive and cracking down the anti-Israel protests. We saw what happened out at LAX at JFK, the airports blocking traffic and so on. It's simply heartbreaking. I, I want you to respond, but I also want you to tell me why are people not showing more support for Israel? Israel didn't start this. Israel was attacked April, well, April, October 7th. 
And everybody wants to go, the critics, they want to go, yeah, October 7th, but what about 1948? What about this? What about that? And on and on and on. Why is there not Jews, more sympathy? Because Jews are not allowed, Jews are not allowed to win wars. Wow. It's just that simple. You know, I'm trying to imagine what would happen in the United States of America if suddenly tomorrow morning, who knows how many people decided to cross the Rio Grande, go into Texas. Now, you 1,200 Israelis is equivalent in population of 300,000 most other places, right? Why? You have only, what, 9.2 million in the entire country, some ridiculously low number. Go in, kill 300,000 people, rape the women, cut off their breasts, violate them anally and vaginally, right? Take their children in front of them while they're doing that, while eight or ten guys are raping them. Take their children while they're doing this and put them in ovens and make them watch them and then shoot them in the head. I'm trying to imagine if that happened in Texas tomorrow morning, what the Texans would do. That's essentially the situation. The fact is, you know, to me, I, you know, I'm a Jew and I grew up, my parents were, were on their way to fight in the, uh, in the War of Independence in 1948 when they met. So my perspective is a little bit different. If the Israelis, forgetting about Jews and Zionism and all the other nonsense, someone needs to wake people up because if the Israelis lose that war, and it's the war against Hezbollah, and it's a war against Hamas, and it's a war against the Houthis, if they lose that war, we're going to have war in this country. They will be here. Make no mistake. The only reason we've had Pax, Pax, Pax is the Pax Americana that was created in 1945 as a function of the Second World War. Okay? It's the only reason why we've enjoyed the peace to this day. And smaller wars are broken out, and that's kind of the way to maintain the world system uh, by having that, those pressure cookers, You're taking the steam out of the system. This is different. Iran is very clear about what it wants to do. Stupid American children are in the streets trying to think it's somewhat different. They're going to be eating grass. If the Jews lose this war and the attacks on Jews nationally, you know, people should wake up. The, the, uh, fir- the first the first of crusades began in the 11th century. Europe did not have peace after they started killing Jews from the 11th century until 1945. And that's only because the United States forced a peace. It was war in some portion of Europe from that point until the end of the Second World War. Now, we, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. These are facts. These are factual acts. These are factual historical facts. These are historical facts. I didn't make them up. It doesn't work. We are chatting with political consultant Hank Scheinkoff. And let me switch gears. And by the way, again, Happy New Year's, everyone. The migrant crisis. Why are Democratic mayors handling this so badly? For example, in New York City, Why didn't Mayor Eric Adams simply turn those buses around? I know he says he doesn't have the legal authority and then defend the move in federal court. Um, He's concerned. I think I'm not reading his mind, but I think he's very concerned about criticism. Uh, The question is, what's the criticism? He doesn't want to take on the president any more than he already has. And there are some who believe that his present legal problems um, and his and the and the uh, the involvement of federal authorities looking at him and those around him is a function of his, uh, is it his yelling or, or attacking or criticizing the president. Whether that's true or not is not the question. He was roundly condemned by other mayors around the country, who were large, many of them were African-Americans, because he did criticize the president and the vice president. Um, why is he taking more decisive action? He believes he is, but he's not. And New York Times had a piece so this past week, Dominic, before New Year's Day, um, on the 600 600- Excuse me, 600 days of the uh, 
migrant crisis and did not take Mayor Adams off the hook. You can't make pronouncements and not enforce them. If you're going to stop buses from entering New York City, stop them. But he didn't. Pull them over, ticket them, send them away. But he's not doing that. And he will continue to pay the price for it. It it seems to me to be real simple. I mean, except if you're worried about the left. And, I mean, instead of measuring the size of the uh, drapes in the Oval Office and placating to the left, why not? Why not play to the majority of the electorate? I I, just, I don't get it. I don't get because, it, Hank Shankoff. Because because the left, if he is playing to the left, he, the left will never be grateful. The left will never thank him. The no left will never respect him. Anyone who doubts that needs to look at the left's performance in cities around the country. When you elect Soros style, Soros funded, George Soros funded prosecutors, you have Chicago, you have. Uh, you have at least Manhattan, you have uh, San Francisco, and, and you have Austin, Texas. That is the future, and that is the future Adams is fighting. The question is, will he be successful? And based upon what is happening in these cities around the country, it's not clear yet. You can't, you can't just say the left wins the argument. Um, San, San Francisco revolted against it, ultimately, even that liberal bastion. Los Angeles has a, has a, a DA's race coming up. Chicago is a DA's race coming up. Austin is a DA's race coming up. In 2025, Albert Bragg and, and the anti, anti-police prosecutor in New York County um, in Manhattan will be called to task, right? So, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it is, it is um, it's dependent upon the moment. Nothing is forever and nothing is constant. Question is, will Eric Adams be blamed? Um, yeah, he will, because the electorate will be unforgiving. So it, when you look at police that are handcuffed around the country uh, in terms of they're under attack, not able to do their jobs, in New York City, uh, Mayor Adams told uh, NYPD recruits that the city council, city council members, wants them to do paperwork instead of patrolling. As you know, very well know, Hank Sheinkoff, uh two recent bills, and we could pick a city, any city and and show similar bills, but in New York in particular, they want the city council, uh, led by the public advocate Jamani Williams, to fill out paperwork for every encounter, for the most part, right. with the public. That means you'll be doing the job forever, you know, paperwork forever. And also, as it relates to uh, jails, uh, cutting solitary confinement down from eight hours to a maximum of uh, four hours. When does all of this stop in terms of hating on the police? It's not going to stop because the politicians that we've elected have never had another job. This is their life. And then their life is then revolving around the next political office for which they can be elected, using in many cases, especially in New York City and other locales, public financing dollars, um, protecting incumbencies, um, and then appearing to be progressive about it. Jamani Williams has never had a tough day, as I can see with the callus on his hand, said the blue-collar guy who grew up, you know, with nothing. Um, I cannot, he, he's, he's been absolutely, uh, absolutely despicable toward uh, school safety agents in New York City who are primarily black women and has called them all kinds of names. Um, so attacking police officers is what he knows how to do. The city council in New York passed a statute, which they had no authority to do, that made, uh, called the Diaphragm Compression Act, which prohibits pressure during the course of a lawful arrest any place from the sternum down to the upper belly. Now, 
I defy anyone to try to arrest someone without putting pressure on that part of the body, body if they resist. And the, and the punishment for doing, for doing, for violating that regulation, which is not a statute because the city council doesn't have that authority, is $25,000 fine to three months in jail. What kind of police officers do you think you're going to get? <clears throat> what kind of police officers do you think you're going to get? If you look at New York City or Los Angeles, for that matter, the number of contacts between non-police civilians and police officers on a regular basis and the number of confrontations that result in violence is de minimis. So this attempt to destroy the police and to destroy order um, is consistent with the chaos we see. You know, it is just part of this permanent revolution that the AO, that the phony, uh, the phony uh, socialist, the, this AOC person who talks about being a bartender, I think she did it for three months. I sat on my, I was a union guy and stood on my feet until they bled behind re- restaurant counters when we were unionized. So I, li- I listen to this nonsense with, with great, his, you know, almost a laugh. And I know a good deal about policing. That being said, they have no idea. And what's going to happen is that blue-collar people who work for a living are going to pay the price, and they're going to start exiting our cities. Why? Because they don't want to deal with what we have here. I, I, we are chatting with the political consultant, Hank Scheinkoff, on this uh, New Year's Day, and I close this way. What's going on with George Santos, the former congressman? It seems that he is going to prison this year. He referred to uh, Mayor Adams in a meltdown of a, of, a vid- of a video as a, quote, effing animal. Uh, Santos was upset that someone apparently broke into his car. The city's questioning whether or not this really happened and stole a box of uh, Christmas candy that was given to him as a gift. What, what's happening with Santos? Santos is the, the ultimate expression of the failure of our politics, and that money and the moment can create any kind of political personality if handled well by political consultants who do their craft well. Um, he is now likely to be go to prison, but his capacity to draw news is so disturbing compared to the work of so many individuals who do care about government and do care about people and do care about working people in this country and who are elected offices that can't get to first base when it comes to coverage. It would be great if we could see a profile of some of them and less attention to a guy who's broken the law, had to resign from office, and is now should be a non-person. But he's not. In the right. age of gossip and entertainment, which is what our politics have become, George Santos is a star. And isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that Santos is uh, now a star, political star, the world that we live in? Dominic Carter here with you, and we are taking your telephone calls, 800-848-9222, as we are... At 45 minutes past the hour, and it's almost four hours since the uh, ball came down in New York City. And folks, if you're not from New York, as many of you are listening around the country, it is a miracle what happens. The ball drops after hundreds of thousands of people are, are there, and the New York City Sanitation Department comes in immediately And by the time the sun comes up, all the confetti, all the garbage, it's all gone, and it's back to regular business. 
and uh, it's a, a new day. And so we are going to take a break. When we come back, we want to hear from you. Dominic Carter here with you folks in for Frank Marano on the other side of midnight. We will be right back. The other side of midnight. Side at midnight with Frank Morano. And happy new year, Dominic Carter here with you folks. Frank has the morning off. I'm filling in. And uh, you can reach us at 800 848 9222 from around the country. We can talk about the uh, new year celebration, how how you're how you brought in the new year. But I'm going to go back in just one second uh, and thank you, Hank Sheinkoff, uh, for joining us to the situation at Harvard. A couple of things that I want to talk about. But again, the floor belongs to you folks right now from around the country. 800-848-9222. Dominic Carter here with you in for Frank Marano. You can also reach me on social media on uh, X. Twitter, it's at Dominic TV on Facebook and uh, Instagram, it's Dominic Carter TV. Coming up at the uh, top of the hour, at the top of the hour, the last hour of the program, we will talk with a former uh, major union leader uh, in New York City. His name is Norman Seabrook, and he was the president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association. Interesting conversation we're looking forward to. To having with him. What is uh, very interesting this morning on January 1, 2024, I can't believe it's 2024, but the Harvard situation, Claudine Gay, the president there, the latest developments, the student newspaper at Harvard is backing President Claudine Gay, but admits She plagiarized, as the editorial board dissenters say, that she must go. This, as the Harvard Council president, a Harvard Council uh, honor president, uh, has accused the school, and I told you folks this was going to happen, of a double standard, declaring that President Claudine Gay must resign over the plagiarism scandal. So this is coming from a member of Harvard's Student Honor Council, and they're calling for the resignation of President Claudine Gay over her ongoing plagiarism scandal, accusing the school's governing body of having one standard for the embattled administrator and another for the student body. This is exactly what I said was going to happen. How can Harvard in the future discipline any student when the president is still on staff considering the charges 
that uh, that she's looking at. And so according to this student, this Harvard student, and this is a direct quote, gay is getting off easy. So this is a student who sits on the council tasked with deciding sanctions for classmates, for classmates caught plagiarizing and uh, wrote in a letter that is that was sent to the Harvard uh, Crimson, and this was uh, Sunday. And in the letter, it said, let's compare the treatment of Harvard undergraduates suspected of plagiarism with that of their president, they wrote. Here's a quote. When students, my classmates, peers, and friends appear before the council, they are destroyed. For most, it is the worst day of their college careers. For some, it is the worst day of their lives. They often cry. So first-time plagiarism infractions, apparently at Harvard, which can stem from omitted quotation marks and incomplete or absent citations, typically, typically speaking, they result in one term of probation and the stripping away of the student's good standing status. Which, what does that mean at the end of the day? It prevents them from studying abroad, which is important to uh, undergraduate students. And it also uh, can also prevent them from graduating. And so, uh, uh, unless you've uh, all been under a rock, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, was allowed to correct her plagiarism, while students can be suspended for a year for the same infractions. Again, we're taking your telephone calls up until the top of the hour. Let's go to Joe in Trenton, New Jersey. Good morning, Joe. You are on the other side of midnight. Happy New Year to you and your family. Go right ahead, please. Yeah, Dominic, I want to talk about the colleges and the uh, collateral damage that's being caused by the indoctrination rather than the education. You start with one graduate. That graduate goes into uh, a a job, becomes a CEO of a company, and then those politics get... uh, The company becomes part of the politics. Same with the same student who gets into politics, and the politics spread into what we're seeing now. Uh, we really have to do some kind of investigation into what's being taught in the colleges. Every, it should be a 50-50, 50 conservative, 50% liberal uh, in every college because it's just the amount of liberal uh, professors in these colleges uh, outweigh the uh, hey, conservative. Hey, Joe, Joe, but, but, but how, do, how do you figure out? Uh, who's and when it comes to the professors, how do you figure out who's conservative, who's progressive? How do you how do you decide that? Well, Dominic, look what's going on in the streets with the Palestinian uh, protesters. Uh, I mean, it, it's as as obvious as a nose on your face. You, you know, in 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 those con- in those colleges, uh, what's being taught? Right, but but what I'm saying, Joe, and I I think 
you and I agree that these protests are despicable, but they do have a right to to protest. But when it comes to the professors, I mean, who's going to stand in, in the uh, interview and say, yes, I am a progressive, and who's going to stand up and say, yes, I am a conservative? How are you going to well, figure uh, that out? Unfortunately, as a, as voters, we better start doing our ed, our educate ourselves as to who we're voting for. I'm 69 years old, and I wish I got more involved into politics when I was a kid, and uh, like like I am now. Why? Well, I, I'm curious, Joe. Before I wrap this up and go to the next call, why do you wish you got involved earlier? Because now, now I'm I'm 69 years old. The only thing I could do today. Because I'm handicapped, is call. I call the capital uh, opera, uh, operator and talk to as many senators and and representatives as I can on a daily basis. Because that's the only way that I can do anything as an individual voter. Well, do me a if, favor, Joe, because I, I have to move on. Don't minimize that. That is still doing something to be involved in the political process. And, Joe, frankly, I'm proud of you for doing so. Let's go to Rocco, Saratoga, upstate New York. Good morning, Rocco. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dominic, to yours and everyone out there. Happy New Year. Hopefully 24 is going to be a better one than 23, right, Dom? We got to get it going. Got to get it going at 24 and change things a little here. Hey, Rocco, I'm, I'm, I'm short on time, so so please get okay, to your point. Okay, all right. Okay, so now finally Harvard is waking up and saying, wait, wait, there is a double standard. No, the they students are. To, the students are. I know. The students are saying, hey, why are we – held accountable, and when the president of Harvard is not. What kind of nonsense? They're saying this is not right. They know it's not right. right. And, and the trustees and the trustees are saying, no, no, no. That I mean, Hey, Gay, you know, she's got to stay. Gay's got to stay. No, come on. Let's oh, get, let's get I, real. I, I, I hear you, Russ. I'm, I, I'm here, you, Rocco. I wish that I could have you and Russ chat with each other. But but I uh, maybe, Rocco, you can give me a call back. Coming up, folks, we're going to talk to a, uh, and maybe you and Russ can give us a call back. We will talk to a former union leader that's coming up here on the other side of Midnight.